Coming up on today's message with Pastor Johnny. How many things has the church missed out on by not answering or or, or responding to the specific question? How many visions have gone unfulfilled because of the negativity and the lack of action for preventing an idea from even getting off the ground? How many projects have there been that could have helped the community, but they died in committees? Amen. Let's get into the word today. Our uh, message today comes from the gospel according to John chapter 6, reading verses 1 through 21. Again, that is the gospel according to John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. And I will be reading from the New International translation of God's word. Gospel according to John chapter 6 verses 1 through 21. Let's see what the word of God has to say for us today. Amen. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. When evening came, His disciples went down to the lake where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. By now it was dark and Jesus had not yet joined them. 
A strong wind was blowing and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, don't be afraid. Then they were willing to take him into the boat and immediately the boat reached the shore where they were heading. God's word for God's people, and God's people said, Amen. Please pray with me. Oh Lord, our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is none like you. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name is great and greatly to be praised, Lord. We thank you for this opportunity to delve into your word, Lord God. Let every word that I speak and every thought that I think be acceptable in your sight. Hide me behind your cross so that I can be a sign that points people to your redeeming salvation. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together today, I would like to talk a little bit about doing a lot with a little. Doing a lot with a little. When I'm driving around Houston on uh, Highway 59, now known as Highway 69, when I hit a certain exit, I always stare at a hotel. That was the hotel my family stayed in when we first moved to Texas. I also spend some time joyriding around. I'll take the long way home because I'll go past some of the places that we used to live as well. There are some gas stations and fast food restaurants that have a special place in my heart uh, because when our family moved to Houston, Our living situation was not certain. We had something lined up, but it fell out. So we had to make a lot with a little. Uh, We had to make a lot with a little in the hotel while we worked out where we were going to stay. Later, I remember making a lot with a little when my mother, my sister, and I would split a fast food value meal at a restaurant uh, and then we get the drink from the gas station because it had the refillable uh, cups and we keep the cup so that we would all have something to drink. I know about making a lot with a little uh, when I got to college because semester after semester I did not have enough financial aid to cover the year, and so I'd do work study and odd jobs and still carry a balance over from semester to semester uh, until I finally was able to get my undergraduate degree. I am very familiar with doing all you can with what you have when what you have is very little. We all have had to make what we had to work in some way, shape, or form, Uh, whether it's raising children or keeping a roof over our heads, 
trying to keep a job, uh, trying to keep personal and or professional relationships, maybe even just trying to go day to day in this thing called life. I'm pretty sure every one of us uh, has uh, the, we've had to work to get what we had. Very few of us have had everything handed to us. And whatever we had, we had to make that work. And if that is not your testimony, God bless it. But I believe we are all familiar in some way, shape, or form of not having enough and still trying to make that stretch out. And we see the very same thing here happening in the gospel according to John chapter 6. Two of the most famous miracles of Jesus are in this passage of scripture that I read. Uh, The story of Jesus filling the multitude is in all four Gospels. And the story of Jesus walking on water is in Matthew, Mark, and John. They're pretty popular to the point that even those who may not be believers know something about that. We're in John chapter 6, but earlier in John chapter 5, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. And the religious authorities focused more on the rule violation than the person who'd had his life changed forever. And so they tried to kill Jesus because of that. Being more concerned about the rules than the people. And so Jesus got away from those people uh, at the end of chapter five because it was not his time yet. He knew he was going to have to give himself up for us, but just not in chapter five. That's a little further down the line. And so Jesus gets away from the people trying to kill him. And yet we find him in uh, today's reading by the Sea of Tiberias. Something interesting about the gospel according to John is that the gospel according to John marks time by the Passover, the annual festival uh, celebrating where uh, God passed over the people. Um, And so it's about Passover time by the time we get to the writing. And the location is important because they are at the Sea of Tiberias, and it is almost time for Passover. Uh, It's Passover season, and Passover season is when all the believers went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. However, if you look or Google it, uh, the Sea of Tiberias is over 100 miles away from Jerusalem. Uh, That's an hour and a half to two hour drive. And the disciples didn't have cars by that time. So the time when everybody is supposed to be heading towards Jerusalem. They're in Tiberias and there is a crowd. This is not some people off to the side. There is a large crowd over 5000 we see later on. And that's just counting the men because they only counted the men back then. So it's uh, a bunch more women and children on top of that. That's important because here we have 
a festival, a, a religious celebration that's going on, a religious celebration where everybody's supposed to be going to the big temple in Jerusalem, but you have at least 5,000 plus people that are not able to make it. That's not very strange. I can look at churches right now with big, ornate buildings that are empty on Sunday. I've been seeing for the last uh, 20 or so years that according to the statistics, uh, uh, it, over 6 million people in the Houston metropolitan area on any given Sunday of those 6 million people, only about four to 500,000 people go to church. While we are out here having our traditional celebrations, there's a whole world out there that is hurting. There's a whole world out there that doesn't get anywhere close to the building where everybody's supposed to be gathering. There is a whole world out there that cannot or are unable to be in the main place of the celebration. What are we doing about them? Jesus sees the people coming and he sees that they are hungry and he has compassion for them. And his compassion uh, has him take the initiative and act on it. Compassion moves people to act. Jesus sees a need and he meets the need. Jesus sees that the people are hungry and he wants to feed them. And so Jesus asks a question. He asks the disciples in the text, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Plain as day. It's in red letters if you got a red letter Bible. That's Jesus talking. Uh, where can we buy this food? You can do a whole sermon series, a sermon, sermon series, Bible study, a conference, a revival, a Sunday school class. You could teach on this all year, their response. Jesus asked them, where can we buy food? Philip complains about the price. And Andrew brings up something that's the equivalent of the homeboy hookup. If that is not the struggle of the church, I don't know what is. Jesus asks a specific question, one that would require an answer, a location, or, or maybe even a person that you could buy it from. But instead, Jesus got complaints. He got complaints about the perceived price. He got complaints with somebody trying to do it on the cheap. This is the one who has never failed that is asking a specific question. Yet the disciples, yet the church folk, yet the seasoned saints don't get out of the way of their old thinking and do what Jesus asks. Watch the text. Notice that Philip didn't say they don't have it. He just said it was a lot. He did not say that they don't have enough to pay for it. He just did not agree with the cost. How many thousands of dollars have been lost 
because a church didn't want to spend a few hundred? How many things has the church missed out on by not answering or, or, or responding to the specific question? How many visions have gone unfulfilled because of the negativity and the lack of action for preventing an idea from even getting off the ground? How many projects have there been that could have helped the community, but they died in committees? People can look at a story like this and they immediately want to identify with the little boy that gave up his two fish and five loaves of bread. Rarely, if ever, do we see ourselves as the disciples. And time and time again in my efforts of working only uh, uh, not only in the church, but in the community, I begin to see why people don't want to give to churches. There's a whole lot of Andrews and Phillips in the church in their own way, preventing the church from doing the work of the kingdom of God. But thank God that Jesus did not allow the church folk to stop him from performing a miracle, a sign. In John, the gospel according to John, they always called them signs because the signs pointed you in the direction of the right way for the kingdom of God. So Jesus takes the two fish and the five loaves of bread. He gives thanks and blesses it and breaks it and feeds the multitude. 5,000 men, not counting the women and children. And not only does Jesus uh, feed the people, but there is so much that there is food left over. Jesus is masterful at taking our little bit and turning our little bit into a massive amount. We just need to be willing to give it to him. And so after performing this massive miracle, the people want to make Jesus king by force. It still wasn't Jesus' time yet. Jesus is trying to get the work done without the fanfare. He doesn't want a plaque put up in his name. He doesn't want his name on a pew. He doesn't want the building, the educational building named after him and his picture hanging up in the middle of the fellowship hall. He, he doesn't want all that. He wants to do the work. And he wants to do it without the fanfare. So he pulls back again. And as he pulls back again, the disciples decide to get moving and they ran into some rough water. The journey got tough. Even though the journey got tough, they kept pushing forward. They got into the boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum and it was dark. And there was strong wind and there was rough water. And we are going to have some times in our lives where we run into some strong wind. We are going to have some times in our lives where it's going to be so dark we can't even see. We are going to have some times in our lives where the road is rough and the water is rough. But when we hit those times in our lives, we need to do like the disciples did and keep pushing forward. 
In the storm, the disciples see Jesus and he's on the shore and he's walking on the water towards them. And the disciples are afraid of what they see. But Jesus said, do not be afraid. It is I. (laughs) During the storm that we're all going to eventually go through, during a storm that may be too big for us to handle, We can all do like the disciples did. Keep pushing forward and look to Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus fed the multitude and then showed the disciples a sign of who he is when he was walking on water. So Jesus is there to take care of our physical needs, and he's also there to take care of our spiritual needs. Jesus took care of the spiritual and the physical needs of the people, and the church should be able to follow the same example. Uh, When I went to protest in Austin, uh, the, the, the state legislator trying to limit our abilities to vote William Barber said something that stuck with me. Uh, Bishop Barber said that preachers shouldn't be worried about tithes and offering if they're not fighting for their congregation to have a living wage. We always talk about the, the spiritual benefits of tithing. But we also need to be just as as adamant about trying to make sure that the physical benefits of the congregation are taken care of. If I can't fight to raise minimum wage, I ain't got no right to be asking about the bring ye tithes into the storehouse. We as a church have to be able to be like Jesus and take care of the physical needs, not uh, not just the spiritual needs. I believe James was talking about it where he said, you, you got you to, faith without works is dead. I can't just pray for somebody if I got the ability to affect change. The very Greek word for salvation, sozo, is to heal the whole soul. So if you sick in your body, the church should be helping to get you healed. If you need, if you lack something, the church should be helping to provide. Not just sticking a hand out to take the money, but sticking a hand out to help you up. The church can can do a lot more than we are doing. We just have to be willing to act. God can take a lot of our little and turn it into something great. We just have to be willing to give God our little and let God work with it. It's no secret what my God can do or what he's done for others. He'll do the same for you. There are ministries to be formed. There are businesses to be started, relationships to be made, and relationships to be mended. We just got to be willing to turn whatever it is over that we have that's our little, whatever the project is, whatever our time is, whatever our talent is, whatever our treasure is, whatever is going on, we have to be willing to turn it over to Jesus, turn it over to the Lord, 
and let him turn our little into a lot. Jesus told the disciples on the boat, it is I, do not be afraid. And that it is I is a little weird. Uh, it, it, it's a better translation or a better phrasing would be, I am. I am, do not be afraid. Uh, that phrasing, I am, is the same phrasing that, that was there when God told Moses through the burning bush to take off his shoes because he was on holy ground when he said, I am uh, that I am. It's the same I am when Jesus says that he's the light of the world. It's the same I am where he says that he is the sheepfold, the gate of the sheepfold and the good shepherd. It's the same I am when Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. It's the same I am when Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the life and nobody can go to the father except through me. It's the same I am that when he says I am the true vine. It's the same I am when and he says that I am the bread of life. One that is big enough to take care of our spiritual and our physical needs. We just need to be able to turn it over to him. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open and we invite you to come. Pray with me, church. God, we thank you for being the I am. We thank you for being the bread of life, bread that not only feeds us physically, but feeds us spiritually. Lord God, we ask a blessing upon this message, for we know that you are the one that can take a little and turn it into a lot. Let this message be a seed that is planted in good soil and produces a great harvest, 30, 60 100 fold that your Holy Spirit will do what it can do to touch the hearts and minds of those that need to hear this message. And they ask, what must I do to become saved? We submit this prayer in the name that is above all names. We submit it in the name of the one that can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or imagine. It is in the precious, the perfect the powerful name of Jesus the Christ we pray, amen. Thank you so much for watching this video. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and share. Don't forget to connect with me on social media, Pastor Johnny Simpson Jr. on Facebook, at Pastor J. Simpson Jr. on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks again for watching and God bless.